Yo, it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. I am James Seltzer, and we are coming to you after, believe it or not, the Phillies have won two series in a row. And with me, I get to celebrate, even though he's been a little down lately about the Phillies. And I'm hoping we can pick him back up here. A 37 and 32 Philly squad is, as I record with him here on Sunday night. The one and only Mr. Jack Fritz. Fritzy. Well, I'm bad at golf. I realized that today. I haven't been bad at golf <laughs> my entire I haven't been I haven't been bad at golf since I was thirteen years old. And I went out today on Father's Day for the first time in ten months. And I'm just bad. And I don't like that I'm bad. I like being good at golf. I was getting chirped at by a guy who listens to WIP all the time. He says he's gonna call in and talked about how bad I am at golf. It was embarrassing. It was sad. It's, it's the end of a good era. Um, but I did come home to a Phillies win, which did make me more, very excited. However, it's just never easy. It is, it, it's never easy with this team. It is never easy with the Hector Neris ninth inning. Like, it's just, ugh, it's, it's, it's so weird to not feel completely happy with a 32 and th- or 37 and 32 team it just it just it's weird it's weird not being super excited all the time about a good baseball team i don't know it's, i'm in a very weird spot yeah and that's because you're you're delusional and you expect too much and jack I, and i've gotten into this over text message multiple times and we'll get into it coming up is uh look this Phillies team is 37 and 32 after beating a Brewers team two out of three this weekend that just smacked the crap out of them here in Philadelphia the weekend before and, and won the first game of the series 13 to two. Jose Valentin, or excuse me, J- Jesmuel Valentin is out there throwing pitches in the ninth inning. So. And then this Phillies team battled back, and they're they're a young team. And that's the thing. I know you know this, Jack Fritz. You know, because you are a smart, intelligent guy, that this is a young team with a first-time manager, and they don't have all the pieces they're going to need. And they weren't built necessarily to win it all in 2018. I personally look at and I know it isn't always fun. Sometimes it is downright stressful, as we'll get to when we recap. Uh, look, two straight series finales, the the Colorado 5-4 to four win that, that came down to the end, and then the game today for, uh, again, recording on Sunday, where Hector Neris just <laughs> implodes in the ninth inning and makes a, a easy win into a, a tougher one. But, Jack, do you, I know you know that this team is young and you should give them time and stuff. What is it that is is kind of making you so unhappy, even though they're they're five games over five hundred and and right there in a wild card spot, halfway through their toughest month of baseball, they're going to play all season. I just don't know what they're like. What are they good at? What is this Phillies team good at? I don't think they have a. I don't think they're a good hitting team. I think Reese Hoskins being back to being. Reese Hoskins, which makes me very happy. Like, I don't want this whole thing to be like, this team sucks, because watching Reese Hoskins back to being Reese Hoskins has been very, very exciting and encouraging. I just don't know what they're good at. I trust one guy in the bullpen. I am gaining trust in Tommy Hunter and Ed Ramos. I trust one starter, Aaron Nola. 
Uh, Pavetta's taking steps back. Arietta is a it's just so frustrating to watch because his ball moves all over the place, but he can't throw strikes and 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 whatever. Uh, Eflin is fine. He's good. Uh, and Velasquez is fine. Uh, the defense is freaking horrible on a night in night out basis. Like I just, I just don't know what they're good at. I don't know how they're winning ball games. And honestly, I'm just terrified they're going to go through a huge stretch of just losing. And I don't want to go like fully all in and be all happy because like I just, I don't see a recipe for long term success this season. Obviously, if we're looking at the whole picture, like the whole picture is perfectly fine. Like I don't, I, the, uh, I'm just looking at the here and now, the game in, game out, night-by-night basis of this Phillies team. And it's, it's a mostly frustrating, boring, unexciting team to watch that is somehow five games over 500, and I'm not exactly sure how. See, the, that's the problem, Jack. You, you millennials, you want what you want, and you want it now. There's no patience. Obviously, that's not true. But obviously this team is not a World Series contending team the way they are currently constructed right now. What they are is one of the youngest teams in the sport with a brand new manager who is seeming to learn on the on the fly quickly and and make good decisions. I mean, you talk about a team that's 5 games over 500 that hasn't really played that well. And like you said, you don't really know how they're doing it. I think you have to give some serious credit to the managing and the coaching staff for finding ways to get this team that's not fielding great, that's not hitting great, that has gone through spells of pitching great, but certainly has also gone through spells of the the opposite. And they're finding ways to win games and they're finding ways to bounce back from tough losses and and getting their butts whooped. They they come back again 13 to 2 on Friday and then come back and win back-to-back games against the team with the best record in the National League at the time. So I understand what you're saying, but I also think that that it's the wrong perspective. I would love to see this team do some go on some special run like Philadelphia seems to, to be doing a lot these days right now. But I, my, I'm just excited to see this team grow and the chance for these guys to play maybe – meaningful September games and get those types of reps at this age and with this type of development, that's going to be huge. Like, of course, there are going to be times where they're going to struggle, especially a sport that is such a grind like baseball and guys who haven't gone through that grind. Again, we talk about Reese, who, by the way, is back and looked awesome this weekend. A couple of home runs that I don't know if they've landed yet. And... Uh, but at the same time, we look at him like he's some some veteran. The guy has played like 120 games in the majors in his career. It just I, I think that we're expecting too much too quick from this team. It's fun what they're doing. I, I love what they're doing. But I think that the, you're underestimating, the A, the importance of the reps they're getting long term, and B, the fact that you got to just take it as it comes because it's not a team that we have to live and die with yet. I mean, some of us don't. I, 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 I live and I don't live and die. With this you team, know what like, I mean, though. I mean, with the with the future, the future's so bright, and it's fun to watch this develop and happen. Yeah. And and they're ahead of the curve. They're ahead of schedule. They're ahead of the curve. I get all that, but like, man, Aaron Altair batting one seventy six, JP Crawford batting one eighty nine, Scott Kingery batting two twenty two. Like, it's just it's just so frustrating watching them on a night at night out basis, and like. 
the walk, like the, the 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 approach of the play is fine. Like get on base, walk, play for the beginning. It's just like it's also a really boring strategy to watch, and like it's just not it's not a fun watch watching them. Like this Brewers series, like the Brewers walked ten guys on Saturday, and the game took like three and a half hours. And I'm like, oh, this is why people don't like baseball. And like today's game was four hours long with like uh, it's just I don't know, man. Like the averages are brutal. The the walk, I don't know. They're they're good. They're, they're fine. winning games, though. I don't. Yeah, but that, why? Why are they winning games? What, 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 because they're managed well. Because they're aggressive on the base paths. Because they've had timely hitting, and that's the thing. You would usually look at it and say, "Well, they've they've got a eighteen and four record in one run games." That's not this. It's not that they have some fluky type of record in one run games or some weird thing you can point to. They're they're just a team that that has been resilient and they fought. They're they're the type of team you should get behind. And again, they're going to go through some struggles. We've seen them already, but the fact that they've bounced back as many times as they have, it doesn't matter, quote unquote, how they're winning. All the all that matters is that they're winning, right? And and I understand you want it to be sustainable. You want it to be something that can carry throughout the season. But at the same time. I wouldn't have thought that they would win these back-to-back series right here in the middle of June after struggling like crazy for so long. So they yeah. keep they keep finding ways to defy what you might expect them to do. Yeah, and and let's you know. And I wait, think- one more quick point. Also, the fact that that they're all not hitting like that. If they get these reps and they get more comfortable and they start to build confidence, imagine what the team could do if these guys do hit. Correct. Very correct. And let's talk about Gabe for a second because I think he had a really, uh, a mostly positive week. Uh, yep. He had the he played for the big inning against Colorado on Wednesday or on Thursday, uh, the day game where he instead of JP Crawford bunting, he said, "Hey, uh, try to work walk, get on base." He's trusted JP Crawford in two major situations in these last couple of games. JP, I think, has an OBP around 400 since coming back from injury, which is a is a major step forward. That's the JP Crawford that we knew. Even if he didn't bat in the in the two fifties or whatever, he may bat in the low two hundreds. But we expect that OEP to be high because of how good his eye is, and he is he has taken some really really good at bats uh, since he's coming back from injury. But Gabe played for the big inning against Colorado, and I like I like the theory of playing for the big inning. Now I do come from the old school mindset of bunt the guy over with second with first and second, gets second and third, one out. Like I think it puts more pressure on the pitcher that analytics don't really show, but. I like the idea of playing for the beginning, and I think it's a good idea, and I think it's trusting his players, and I think they feed off of that trust. And he did the same thing on Saturday where he, uh, he, he took back the pitcher, took out Eflin. And, like, were you watching, were you watching the game Saturday live yes. by any chance? Yes. Why, why were people freaking out? Like, I, didn't, I did not understand the initial Well, because Eflin was at 73 pitches, five but innings you, in, and, and but you're not and, scoring runs, James. Like you're not scoring right, runs. No, I, look, 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 I I didn't have a problem with it. I'm just trying to s- explain where people are coming from in the sense that, you know, the fact that the bullpen has been bad, and I think that people worry about handing the game over to the bullpen when Eflin seems like he's pitching well and could have a couple more innings in his arm theoretically. I think that's where people are coming from. I'm with you. I didn't have a problem with it, but. I, I at least understand where people are coming from. Clearly, it paid off. It was right, it, you know, uh, re- results over process or whatever, but it was the right move. There's no question. Yeah, and then, and then, but today, 
today was weird. Like, I just I didn't understand. You know, me and you argued about this on on text. But like, why are you bringing in Sir Anthony into a, th- a three run game in the seventh inning with 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 one out and no runners on or whatever? And it just seemed like way too early for him. He pitched him in a four run lead, and then I just think I think I have become so worried that Sir Anthony's gonna like blow his arm out. Yeah, that, me too. Like, I just want to overuse him, and I think. It He's gonna like need it, like a phantom DL stint later in the season. I think no matter what. Right, right, and maybe they're just using him now to get through this stretch to make sure that they're afloat when they need to put him on the DL for like a week or two. But and then the ninth, you know, Hector starts going full Hector. And, oh man! And he puts in Jake Thompson. I like what, uh, like, dude. I like uh, Jack. I almost spit out what I was drinking when Jake Thompson strolled to the mound. I I was watching the game with my fiance's eighty-eight year old granddad, and I just started pacing around the whole room. Like, I was what like, was that? I I said that they should give the save to Odubel instead of giving it to Jake Thompson. Enterprise Ramos has a point six ERA. I, I you're, yeah, I, I'm with you. I honestly, Jake Thompson, probably the last guy in that bullpen I wanted to see in that spot. Like, did he see Jake Thompson get the save in the 20 to 1 Marlins game and think this guy knows how to pitch in this situation? I know. You know what it was? I'm sure it was a Jake Thompson throws this pitch, which gives this batter trouble. So, this is what we're going to do, or something along those lines. I don't know. I really don't know. It was, it was really a strange moment. And the whole Neris of it all to begin with, especially because he brought Neris in on Saturday and Neris. Actually, had a clean ninth. You and I were texting saying, oh, Sir Anthony for two, obviously. And it wasn't. And it worked. But bringing Neris in in the ninth there, up five, and he just implodes Jack. It was classic Hector Neris and, and gets him out just in time. And Jake Thompson, I mean, did did you not think when that ball was hit that it was going to be a home run? And and obviously, Oduble makes a, a great play on it and just a really nice over-the-shoulder catch. But... That was the same feeling with the Rockies game, the the game we talked about, the 5-4 win, where you just felt like it was a lock win. They were going to take the series, and then all of a sudden it was slipping out of your grasp, but they didn't let it slip out of their grasp. And I know it's easy to, to rip the comeback, but they didn't let it get finished off. And Jack, I do think that for a young team, that that is something. Those are, those are again, reps that matter to be able to close out those games where it does feel like it's slipping away from you. Yeah. And I guess you just kind of got to take a step back and think, wow, they took two of three from the, from the Brewers who have the ab- best team in the national league record wise, the Brewers after Friday's game had outscored the Phillies, uh, I think it was like forty something to like seven, maybe. Like it was absurd. It was absurd number. So to take two of three against a team who was rolling, they, they were rolling before um, before the Phillies got to town. That crowd, it's like it's electric. Like games in, at, at Miller Park have been really, really fun to watch this year. Um, and to, to quiet that crowd, I know today got a little dicey, but still. In those situations, I just think it, it is really, really impressive resolve for a young team. And, you know, I don't feel great about where they are. I'm just worried about the rug being pulled out from underneath me. But I'm very I'm happy. I'm very happy that they're they're playing pretty good baseball. Um, the defense is still 
like the fact that they're when I watched Major League Baseball growing up, it was like these guys never make an error. And yep. now I'm like, what are they like? This isn't a major. This isn't a major league team. Like they they make errors all. I don't know. I don't know. It's a, uh, it's a, no, it's a really I'm, weird team. It's a weird I'm, team. I'm with you. It's one of those things where you watch baseball and you say, all right, that that ball is hit this way as we're watching it. That's going to be fielded by the second baseman and thrown to first base, and it's going to be an out. You're conditioned. And whenever it goes the other way, it's a surprise. This Phillies team, it seems to go a different way way too often. I'm with you. And and again, we mentioned it, I think, on the last IOS pod, but but also the the fundamental stuff. Like, you know, if you're going to shift, that's fine, but make sure everyone knows what base they're supposed to cover. If someone has to run back and cover Chris, third base so Chris Bryant can't just take it for free, then someone should be running back to cover third base, and that person has to know who their, what their responsibility is. And that's the type of stuff. I, they need to do a better job of, of hammering home these fundamentals with defense as well, with you know getting your ball down on the glove. I mean, how many times have we seen a ball roll under Kingery's glove now? It's unbelievable. I say uh, the shortstop, quote-unquote, and, and the ball just rolls under his glove once a week. It's, it's crazy to me. But I want to I want to uh, look at each game individually as, as a couple things that stand out from each for me. I want to start on the, the 13 to two smashing and then we'll get to the good stuff. Really just one thing from that game that stands out to me. And that's Jake Arietta spouts off and neither of us had too big a problem about it. But accountability, all that stuff and. He has had two outings since then, Jack. And the, the last one, the very first one, he, he grinded but didn't have a great one. This one, he just looked like crap. Uh, where do you, uh, you mentioned before that you're, you're certainly bearish, as it were, on Arietta, but also factoring in the fact that he spouted off and can't seem to get it done. Does that make it extra worrisome for you? Well, the baseball gods don't forget, and Jake should have known that. Like, you. You don't you don't throw a rookie under the bus. You don't throw your teammates under the bus. And the baseball gods have not acted kindly on Mr. Arietta. So he knows that. And now he's getting a, a lashing for it, as we might say. <laughs> um but he and the most ridiculous thing about this whole recent Arietta stuff is that he goes to Jerry Krasnick and he says, Yeah, I could still strike out guys if I wanted to. Yeah, no, you can't, Jake. You, you can't you can't strike anyone out. Like let's let's be realistic here for a second. If you could really strike anyone out whenever you wanted, when it gets second and third or bases loaded, you would go in and strike a guy out. Instead, you're relying on your defense, which again isn't great, especially given that he is a ground ball pitcher and he is on pace to like set the record for most double plays in a season. So, um, but like watching him, man, it's just like he's just nibbling. He's all around the corners. He is not, like, attacking guys at all. I feel like he's just trying to – he's not trying to throw through guys. He's not trying to dominate guys. And right now he's trying to, like, trick guys, and they're not getting tricked. He's not just throwing strikes. Like, his ball moves so much that you'd think it would be hard to barrel up. But, man, they are barreling, barreling him up. It's It's been a rough recent couple of starts for Jake Arrieta, and he's got to get back to being able to strike guys out. He's got to find – some semblance of an off-speed pitch, and he has to he has to locate his fastball. If you want to be good into your mid thirties, you have to locate your fastball, and he hasn't done that at all in, in, in recent starts. Yeah, and and adding on to that, I think as we've discussed a few times, it's it's extra frustrating because 
we've seen him do it this year. We've seen that old Jake Arrieta. Granted, I think the Pittsburgh start probably the only game where he really had it the entire outing, but we've seen flashes of that guy and he was kind of had flashes like that last season as well. So that's what makes it so tantalizing, but I'm with you. It's certainly a worry as, um, and you hope it's maybe just one of those dead arm periods as they like to call it, Jack, but I'm uh, uh, certainly right now not, I don't feel great when Arietta takes the L. Uh, but outside of that, the 13-2 game, the other takeaway really is just the fact that the Phillies were able to bounce back. And we, we've kind of talked about the resiliency, but to come back, uh, the 4-1 to game you mentioned on Saturday, a, a boring game, but we, we kind of dove into the Eflin pitching decision about all. But what did you think? I know you've kind of gone back and forth on Eflin. Where are you at with Eflin? I know the strikeout rate is is a career high had six strikeouts in five innings there. And again, you know, was taken out a little early pitches wise, but seemed to be pitching pretty well against a, a solid lineup. What did you think about Eflin's outing on Saturday and where he's at right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of done trying to predict Zach Eflin because I just, I don't know what I'm going to get. Uh, but for the most part, I, I've liked what I've seen from Zach Eflin. I like, I've, I've said it ever since he's came back. The fact that he's been pretty consistent at spotting 95 to both sides of the plate just makes him such a more effective pitcher because guys don't know where that fastball is coming. And when, it, when it's coming at 95, it's like, wow, that's hard to catch up to. They don't know if it's going to be inside, outside. And he's done a pretty good job. Even against lefties, getting that fastball in 95 on the inside half of the plate. So that's very, very encouraging. And when he first came up, I was mostly intrigued because he was throwing this slider that was seemingly hard for batters to square up because it was moving a lot. It had a lot of three to nine movement. Uh, and it was, it was slower than, than, than way slower than his fastball. Like I think it's coming in at like 79 and, and then, but, but recently he's gotten away from that. And I, he struggled for a couple of starts there. Last couple of starts, last two starts in particular, it feels like he's throwing that change up more and more. Which, if you're throwing 95, 96 with your fastball and, and spotting it wherever you want, then you drop an 85 mile an hour changeup in there that just dips. It just dips right at the end. That's a tough little combination to 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 hit off of. So I think he could be good. The strikeout rate's very encouraging. I'm not gonna say like he's amazing, but he certainly gives you a chance every fifth day. It feels like it feels like Zach Eflin every fifth day is gonna give you a chance because of his fastball location, how hard he's throwing it. And he's throwing it up in the zone to combat the launch angle movement. Yeah, I think you summed it up really well. And look, he's pitched really well this month. He's been their best pitcher this month. Which Zach is Eflin, kind of, the stopper? Yeah, how about that? He, he has been this month. He really has been. And it, it's, uh, look, I think whatever you get out of Zach Eflin is a, uh, is a bonus. So... If he can keep throwing like this, that'd be that'd be great for this team. But uh, we also, in this game, I think, uh, first and foremost, I think, just the way they kind of gutted out was impressive to me. You and I were texting about Sir Anthony and the strikeout of Yelich where he just, oh, what a pitch. What a pitch that was. But also a game where we, we see Rees really starting to, to bust out here. He hits a home run that is just, as mammoth a shot as you'll see and had three hits on the night and just as locked in. We mentioned it before, but 
on a more macro level, what have you seen from Rees? And is it possible that, that his return alone, we've kind of talked about this a bit before, but is it possible his return alone can, can turn this offense around? It's, it's starting to, it seems like since he's been back, they've certainly gotten out of the offensive funk. Yeah, I've really liked him in the two-hole, and I know that you and John Marks don't like that, but it's worked out really well the last couple of games, and it's it's coincided directly, I think, with Crawford being able to get on base to the bottom of the lineup. Like, if you can if you can bat the pitcher eighth and then have Crawford essentially be another leadoff hitter, get on base, Cesar hopefully does something, you're most likely getting Reese up with runners on base, runners in scoring position, whatever. Um, and I think it just it makes a lot of sense. He's hitting. He's finally hitting well out of the two hole. But he 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 is fully fully back. And I think his his launch angles have been really really great on some of the home runs he's hit. I know that sounds super nerdy. And it only sounds super nerdy because, because <laughs> it sounds so nerdy. Because I did a deep dive into launch angles, and it's just like it makes so much sense. And people get so freaked out by it. But the originator of the launch angle movement was Ted Williams. So all you old school people who were like, oh, launch angle, guess what? Ted Williams, the greatest hitter of all time, pure hitter of all time, uh, was the originator of the launch angle movement. So why don't you calm down? Um, but, but, <laughs> I but, friends, but, I like it. But Reese, Reese is just, he's taking really nice hacks. He is, everything is, is, everything is on a line drive slash home run plane. He is, he's, he's just a streaky hitter. Like this is what we got to learn about Reese. Reese, much, and the problem, obviously, during that whole stretch where they were playing just horrible offensive baseball was that both Adubel and Reese, their two best hitters, were both really struggling, and, and like, they're both really streaky hitters. So it's tough to know, like, when they're going to go through those deep, deep stretches of just bad hitting. But, unfortunately, they were both, they were both struggling at the same exact time, and now it feels like they're both starting to, to pick it up at the same exact time. Yeah, Odubel with three hits yesterday or today. Uh, homers on Friday and the granted 13 to two stomping, but I'm with you. It's really exciting. And if those, Hold two on, guys- can, can, we, can we talk about a double's home run on Friday for a second? Yeah, sure. Because listen, you know, I've, I've, I've already started hearing the chirps. That's an Abreu Homer. Is that, was it, was that an Abreu Homer, James? Oh, I don't know if that was an Abreu Homer. I don't think so. <laughs> the, 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 Abreu Homer. Think so. The Abreu homer is the the home run that doesn't matter at all, and that's why his stats are good. I don't think so. Because Abreu's not a good player. Because he hit one that that ended up mattering mattering today. So suck it, all right, you jerks. But everyone's out to get Odubel. We're pro-Dubel on this podcast. But, Jack, uh, one thing I do have to say here in that 4-1 victory, another home run from Nick Williams as the uh, original Aaron Altair stand, the whatever he's hitting, 182 or whatever he's hitting. I think he's uh, down the 170s. And Nick Williams for, and I have I have not been kind to Nick Williams at times as well, he's been way better than Aaron Altair, especially over the last month plus. Uh, what do you have to say for yourself, I guess is the best way I can put it. It's, it, it hurts. It really does. It really hurts. I... There's no, there's no justification for playing Aaron Altair right now Agreed. over over Nick Williams. You just can't do it. And credit to Gabe for finally like, remember early in the season when he was like, yeah, we make our lineups a week out, <laughs> and everyone's yeah. like, well, well, what well, if a guy gets hot? Yeah, like, exactly. what, what, what if a guy gets hot? Now he's finally. 
uh, playing the hot hand, which is the smart thing to do. It, it, you just have to ride it when you have to win ball games. And listen, I don't think Nick Williams is anything special, but I was reading a, an Eno Saris piece like two weeks ago, and he has like one of the best like plate coverages in the entire game, which is wild to me. Like he can hit balls anywhere and everywhere um, for pretty hard contact. So that's a good sign. Um, I'm not totally buying it because he's he's been streaky as well but for right now there you just have to keep playing him you can't ride Altair I mean Altair looks like a mess at the plate I think he has a bad launch angle I think he has to work on his launch angle because I think he drives the ball into the ground a little bit too much or just creates bad contact but I I I think that Nick Williams has to play more way more over him Uh, unless it gets late in games where you can just put him in the eighth and ninth as as a defensive replacement and he's not coming up to the plate with that being said, hopefully it gets hot and makes me uh, regret getting off of Altair Island. <laughs> Here's the thing. First and foremost, uh, you nailed it. Nick Williams should absolutely be playing over Aaron Altair. It should be a question. And Williams has, has had good at-bats, too, and he's shown some power, and he really does have a sweet swing. It really is a, a nice swing to watch. But even more so, I, I think that it was incredibly impressive that you were able to work launch angle 32 times into that last sentence that you said. So that's Listen, really, I think, I think, he has, a, I think he has a bad launch angle and I want Aaron to work on his launch angle. There you go. You hear that Aaron, get on the launch angle, get on it. All right. Back to yesterday or today when a lot of people will be listening, this will be yesterday's game, but today's game, the 10 to nine thriller somehow that, that felt like it was over. We talked about Oduba, we talked about Reese, both those guys, home runs in that game. Your boy, Michael Franco. How does it feel to be wrong about Michael Franco, Jack Fritz? Um, <laughs> nice day uh, for Franco. Franco Island lives for a day. You didn't the, acknowledge uh, my tweet at you. I was, I was pretty upset you didn't acknowledge my tweet at you. It was, it was disappointing. I know. I know. I thought, I thought it was a funny tweet. Uh, yeah, I mean, Michael's back. He's the third baseman of the future. Oh, yeah. No, sure. I'm just kidding. Although, it's it's so frustrating because he had that at bat against Jeffries. Yes, or, it was a great at bat. It, it ended up being a huge at bat in the game. Uh, knocking in a couple runs there it was huge. And he was like, he was completely locked in. He was Yeah, pitches. and he, he was, took it the way that he took it to the opposite field, like where the ball needed to go. It was great hitting. I'm with I you. I was like, what? Wh- who is this guy? I was like, what are you? doing man like why can't you just be that way all i don't get it between him and a doable i don't get why they can't just be locked in all the time it's it's the weirdest thing like, I, I don't get it I mean, michael could be a good player that was a good today was what a good player looks like and i know tomorrow or the next time he, he plays he'll be stepping into the third base box again it, I, he's so frustrating yep i know he really is uh speaking of frustrating though how about a uh Bit of a rough outing from Aaron Nola today. Did you see anything? Because his last couple outings, he has not been quite as sharp as outings, uh, you know, as, as he had been for, for quite a stretch there. Have you seen anything from him lately, especially today, that, that looks off? Or is it just one of those ebbs and flows type of periods? Ebbs and flows. Uh, I didn't see much of the start today because I was still in the course. Um, but I was listening. Oh, <laughs> What? I was on the good, course. Wait. Good for you, buddy. Listen to this guy. What do you want me to say? I was out there grinding. <laughs> By the uh, way, I, I, I've always sucked at golf, so if I went out and sucked, it wouldn't be a big deal for me. Yeah. Um, no, I, didn't, I, don't, I haven't really seen the, the, the laboring like you seem. 
to see that he's I mean it hasn't been as as dominant I guess but I also think like he it's pretty well, I mean hard. he had a rough one today at four and a third four earned uh yeah. seven hits four walks he just had a rough outing today yeah it's one of those outings he I mean it happens to all, everyone I mean except for like the Scherzers of the world it, it pretty much happens to everyone I mean it's probably probably just like his mechanics are off by a little bit, and he's got to fine-tune that a little bit. Also, like, now you're kind of getting into the dog days of the summer a little bit, and he kind of starts slipping. So uh, he'll be fine. I'm not I'm, Unless it's, like, a, a trend. Like, I don't, I don't think it's a trend. I think it's I'm – pretty, I'm pretty confident he can roll out of bed, throw seven innings, and, and allow less than two runs. But, yeah, today wasn't great. Yeah, we already talked about the whole Naris thing, the Jake Thompson decision, and I'm with you. I think, for the most part, Kapler had a really good week. You could absolutely quibble with those decisions. You could quibble with him not going uh, and keeping Sir Anthony in for two innings in Saturday's game uh, instead of going to Naris in the ninth there, even though that worked out. But ultimately, on the whole, I think a good weekend for Kapler. Um, but when you look at the 10-9 game, otherwise, we argued a little bit about Sir Anthony. We're, I think we're both uh, on that page. I, I'm worried, too, about the overuse of Sir Anthony. I, I yearn for nights where he is not needed. As I, Again, it's, it's a tough spot because there are so few people in this bullpen that anyone, especially Kapler, obviously, but I think all of us can feel confident in and, and Neris was example, uh, you know, example A, B, and C of that tonight, uh, today in that ninth inning with that just, you know, awful, awful outing. But outside of, of the stuff we've hit on here and, and kind of where they're at in general, any other takeaways from the weekend before we look ahead to what's coming up this week? Um, this weekend was good. It was, it was a positive weekend. Uh, I'm liking Tommy Hunter more and more. Like slowly but surely, liking him more. Um, but other than that, just a good series win. Also, Brent Suter's a total nerd. Like He's Brent such Suter, a nerd. Um, I can't. I can't. I can't look at him. I can't stand him. He has a the ultimate hate to face. He's got that stupid. He's like such a classic lefty. Like lefties, lefty pitchers are the weirdest people on earth. And, and Brent Suter just fits that to a T. You know, with his weird, stupid, dumb and dumber thing, which he was like nailing spot on and acting like Jim Carrey. I thought that was weird. His stupid, like, when he throws a pitch, he, like, jams his whole head all around. And, like, I don't understand how he still has a neck where his head stays on. Very, I, I am so out on Brent Suter. And he throws 86. Like, whenever I see a guy that throws 86 dominating major league players, I just get frustrated. Like, ugh, whatever. Um, he should be a hockey player. His name is Brent Sutter. Be yeah, a hockey player guy. Brent, Brent Sutter, Suter's whatever. Is a very, it's a very hockey name. His, Very his, fa- his family is absolutely disappointed that he's a major league baseball player. I can guarantee that. Uh, yeah, all like right, Harvard. He's a he's a nerd. Yeah, yeah total nerd. What a dweeb. Uh, way, way to go getting good education, you idiot. <laughs> all right, uh, looking ahead, and and after we look ahead to this week's action, I do have one incredibly important question. I will ask Jack before we get out of here. I want his take on whether he is pro something or anti something that the Phillies it's a, it's a core part of this season. So uh, getting his take on this will be incredibly important. But first big week of baseball coming up, Jack as uh, today or to when most, I keep going back between this is one of those tough spots because we're, we're recording this at 10 30 on Sunday night. It'll be up by like 11 30 midnight, whatever. And 
people will hear it on Monday. So I want to talk like it's Monday, but it's not Monday, Jack. So then I keep saying today, thinking it's Monday, but I'm really talking about yesterday and it's a whole to do. Do you understand what I'm saying, Jack? <laughs> sure. Okay, I'm sure, good. I'm sure the listeners love that. Point being, the Phillies playing Monday through Wednesday this week. You you know, last week at, uh, they got the Monday off and then played straight through this week. Monday through Wednesday, coming home for a three-game series against the Cardinals before heading to Washington for a three-game series Friday through Sunday. Cardinals coming to town. Uh, what are your any any general thoughts on the Cardinals? Interesting matchup tonight. Nick Pavetta, your boy, coming off his worst outing in a while against uh, Miles Mikolas, who who I'm a fan of. I've watched that dude pitch a few times, and uh, he's nowhere near as good as this guy. But he kind of reminds me of Brandon Webb a little bit, a really hard sinker that that comes in at like 94, 95 miles per hour, and he just he just he's hard to hit the ball in the air against. It seems like a very heavy ball. Uh, I think people are going to be uh, not enjoying Miles Mikolas as much as uh, as much as they should as a Phillies fan here, Jack. Yeah, he's he's had a great year coming over from Japan. Um, Pavetta, like he has been, he's been he's been back to like old Pavetta a little bit, where it, you know he he'll have the first inning where he just gets lit up a little bit. And then he loved, he struck out he struck out five of six in his last start and I was like oh okay he's fine and then he started getting ripped again. Um, fastball location hasn't been there and he's throwing only like ninety three ninety four which I don't like at all. Um, and his curveball hasn't had the same kind of bite that we saw from most of the season. I wonder if he's like getting worn down a little bit. I hope it's not injury related. I I hope there's not a little bit of you know, maybe it's just a, a little period of dead arm. Maybe he's going through that. Um, but right now, he's he's definitely struggling. And he needs to start picking it up because now his ERA is over four. And I might lose that bet with Jody Mack, which I will never want to lose in my entire life because he will never live it down. Um, yeah, Pavetta. Pavetta, really a t- tough matchup this week, uh, pitching-wise, between Miles Mikolas, uh, Luke Weaver, who should be way better than he is. Like, I need him to start turning into Tim Hudson because – he is ki- he's killing my fantasy team, and he should be Tim Hudson. But he's had a, a, a rough go of it, but his FIP suggests that there is some uh, coming back to, to earth from his ERA. And then Michael Waka, who, who's been great. He's been I thought so he was, good. He's supposed to be bad now, but he's no, actually good. he's been awesome this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no. I've actually seen him pitch a few times, and, and, it, and it's totally legit. His stuff is nasty this season, but at least uh, – at least for that game, they, uh, you know, look, hopefully Jake Arietta cannot suck. Is that too much to ask, Jack? I, I feel like that's not too much to ask. Maybe uh, he'll channel his inner cub in him and say, try not to suck today. Yeah, I hope so. Look, this is a big series because then it goes Washington, Yankees, Washington to round out the month. So, but, but get easier. The Phils are on national TV on Sunday. They are on Sunday Night Baseball, which Whoa. is the, the first time they've been on Sunday Night Baseball since I feel like 2012. I think forever, it feels like. I don't know if they've ever been on it before. Was the That's last what time, it feels like. It has to be 2012, 2011, somewhere in there for sure. Was the last time the Phillies were on Sunday Night Baseball the night that Osama Bin I was going to say that. I was going to say that. It might have been. Look, it's been forever. That's really exciting, Jack. I love that. That's very cool. Um, so big stuff, big week. And we'll be back to talk about that series coming up as, uh, 
as we will be back with the podcast later this week. But before we get out of here, Jack, I mentioned it before. I have to get your opinion on something. It's crucial because it's very important to the season. How do you feel? And I can't believe there's not something we've ever addressed here before as, as this is a very Jack Fritz type of topic. But how do you feel about the little rub the fingers together type of move that they do this year? That's their celebration for when they get hits, the double, you know, get a double run scoring double, look back at the dugout and do the little rub the fingers together move. What do you think about that move? Well, every team that has to have one. I know, I know. And look, go and watch the Mets one from, like I want to say it's like 2015 or 2016. I won't say what it looks like, but it's basically like two hands wrapped around a pole, like moving it up and down. I think you can figure out the rest. Nice. Yeah. Listen. It's so lame. I don't know how they all agreed to go with that. Just Google like, anyway, maybe I'm sending people down a bad path. But regardless, regardless, it's pretty ridiculous. So what do you think about the finger move? Uh, I think it's fine. I, wish it I like it. I'm all right with it. I, I I, again, I've seen way worse, but I, I kind of like it. It's 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 chill. It's subtle. I like it. Well, it, w- it would be nice if they did it when they were like scoring more than five runs a game or like they're actually like well, a Jack. A, then they would never get to do it. Come on, man. Semi-confident. Off. No, I, I'm, in I'm, on kidding. It. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm in on it. It's good. good. It's I needed I needed you to be in on it. I needed it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Also this week, Rob Manfred said that they're moving towards a universal DH. Which once again, there's nothing more un-American than the DH. Get rid of the DH. More pitchers. Give me the universal DH. We'll argue about this another time. <laughs> um, all right, uh, we gotta get out of here. So we will be back later this week. Some uh, combination of the two of us and John Marks or something maybe all three of us we'll see how it plays out but we will definitely be back to talk about the national series until then uh, a 37 and 32 phillies team that's something to be excited about somehow they got, somehow they're at 37 wins like a month and a half earlier than they did last season so that's something pretty exciting to think about as well so all right for the absent john marks for my buddy jack fritz i'm james seltzer thank you for listening to another edition of the iops podcast we'll see you later